All right, welcome to Making the Argument. Before we get started, I have a very important announcement. We have a brand new deal with GoodRanchers.com. That's right. If you go into GoodRanchers and you use promo code Nick and you sign up for one of their subscriptions, you're not only going to get $15 off, but do you remember the old deal where you got two pounds of ground beef with each order? Well, we just upped the game. That's right. You can choose top sirloin, salmon, chicken breast, or bacon now. Every single order you get on that subscription is going to come with free. Top sirloin, salmon, chicken breast, or bacon. You get to choose which one if you use promo code Nick. And again, $15 off on top of that. That's a savings of $480 in meat by signing up for one of those subscriptions. Not to mention the fact that if you are looking for a gift for someone that is impossible to shop for, you can go on to GoodRanchers.com and get one of their brand new gift boxes. Now, this is a limited time only offer. It's part of their overall Black Friday special. So go on to GoodRanchers.com to get more details. Sign up for promo code Nick and to get that deal and let's get on with the show. Hi, this is Nick Freitas and welcome back to Making the Argument. And today we're going to be discussing Lester Holt. So Lester Holt got a very prestigious uh, journalism or award for journalism the other day and he made a very interesting speech when he received it. And a lot of people have jumped on this, but what I want to do is I want to break down exactly what he said. I don't want to take him out of context. I'm going to break down exactly what he said. And then let's discuss what the real problems are with this because his comments actually give us a, a, a pretty good opportunity here to talk about journalism in America. And I, I'm seeing some conservatives that are, are writing some pretty good articles. I'm seeing other ones that are, are not, or let's just say they're, they're kind of missing the point. And so the, the point of this podcast is not to just provide clickbait, right? You can get that anywhere. It's to really break things down, look at the arguments being made, and come up with a, a counter argument when appropriate in a way that, that articulates what it is that we're getting at as conservatives. So I'm going to go ahead and read some of his comments from this, again, in context, right? So as Lester Holtz receiving the award, he says, I think it's become clearer that fairness is overrated, right? This was the part that, that got all the headlines. And then he went on to say, he goes, before you run with that tweet or headline, let me explain a bit. The idea that we should always give two sides equal weight and merit does not reflect the world we find ourselves in. That the sun sets in the West is a fact, and any contrary view does not deserve our time or attention. All right, he went on to say, I know recent events assure you we won't have to look far to find more current and relevant examples. Now, I think he said that in part because obviously he realizes that's, a, that's an easy argument to make. Because last time I checked, I don't see a lot of journalists that are you know, letting flat earthers or, or people that you know, doesn't think the sun rises in the, in the east to come onto the show and articulate that position. That's, that's, you know, that's not really a problem. Uh, but he goes on to say this, he goes, decisions to not give unsupported arguments equal time are not a dereliction of journalistic responsibility or some kind of agenda. In fact, it's just the opposite. Okay, let's consider this, this first statement. He said more, we're going to break it all down, but let's consider this first part. Here's what's, what's part of the problem with this. Um, what actually constitutes an unsupported argument? Like, I, I would love for the media to actually explain this because I, I have heard a lot of people within the media make arguments that I did not think were well supported by facts or evidence. In fact, you see a lot of uh, opinions getting thrown around. And because those opinions happen to be popular, that seems to be the only evidence necessary in order to support it, in order to justify a journalist talking about it with authority. So if you're going to say 
an unsupported argument doesn't deserve equal time. You know what? There, there's an element of truth to that. When Lester Holt says that, that fairness can be overrated, it, it depends on the context, right? So again, if, if we're talking about a science and do you have to give equal time to a flat earther? No, I don't, I don't think you do, right? I don't, I don't think you have to give equal time to a flat earther in that situation. So what, what's tricky here is what he is saying can be technically true, right? There, I mean, and there's no possible way to give fair time to every point of view on a particular topic, all right? But the, the additional information he gives us with this statement when he talks about unsupported arguments, equal time is, a derel is not a dereliction of journalistic responsibility. Okay, fine, I can accept that provided that you tell me what the standard is with respect to what constitutes a supported argument versus what constitutes an unsupported argument. I, I, I think that's fair for us to understand. That's fair for us to, to realize whether, because again, we have limited time. They, they can't let a thousand people talk on a, on a news program, but to suggest that now journalists are, are the ones that are going to just determine without giving us any sort of criteria what a supported argument is versus what an unsupported argument is, is problematic. So let, let's look at what he says next. He goes, providing an open platform for misinformation, for anyone to come say whatever they want, especially when issues of public health and safety are at stake, can be quite dangerous. Fair enough. You know what can also be quite dangerous in an issue when issues of public health and safety are at risk? Journalists engaging in confirmation bias where they exclude other points of view, not because they're not supported by facts or evidence or a logical thought process, but because they don't conform to the, the political affiliation or the political proclivities of a particular journalist. Excluding information in, uh, on this criteria that it's unsupported when you haven't told us why you believe a particular viewpoint is unsupported or you haven't allowed for an opposing viewpoint to have a platform, right? That is also dangerous in an, in an area of, of public safety or public health. And, and quite frankly, the job of a journalist, right? I'm not talking about an editorialist. We all, we all understand there's opinion journalists out there and they're honest about being opinion journalists. But when an objective journalist is now excluding different points of view and not giving us any indication on, on by what criteria they're excluding it, that can be just as dangerous, if not more dangerous. And I don't think there's a healthy appreciation for that. And, and, I, and it is a valid concern, especially by conservatives, because let's face it, when they're talking about excluding different viewpoints, they don't seem to exclude left-wing viewpoints. I mean, they, they, they treat any host of, of left-wing activists or left-wing politicians as if whatever they say is, is automatically valid because of the position that they hold. But if you're going to exclude viewpoints that don't necessarily conform to what a journalist has already determined is supported or is valid, you're going to run into problems. And, and let's go back to his argument where he talks about the, the sun rises in the east and sets in the west, and we don't need to hear other viewpoints. Okay, fair enough. There is, there is plenty of scientific evidence to support that understanding. But thank God, right, on, on some level, thank God that it wasn't Lester Holt you know, deciding whether or not Galileo could be heard. Because at different points in human history, you have had very, very popular viewpoints, viewpoints that supposedly had a great deal of support behind them, especially the way many in the media like to talk about issues such as climate change, where it's 98% of scientists 
or 97% of scientists, if, if that's what you're using to justify whether or not you include a viewpoint or exclude a viewpoint, you're going to find yourself spreading misinformation, spreading incorrect information, because you took it upon yourself to decide who could participate in the conversation and who could not. All right, we, we refer to this sometimes as, as the Overton window, right? It's the idea of what is, what is acceptable thought. Um, and, and again, you, you have different spectrums, but the Overton window shifts. And right now within the media, the Overton window has shifted significantly to the left. And so as that window shifts, if they're now excluding different viewpoints or, or evidence they don't like because it doesn't conform to, to the window they've accepted, you're leaving out critical information. And yes, you can be wrong about things that everyone right now, from culture to the majority of scientists, they can believe something is 100% true, they can have data and models to support it, and they can still be wrong. But that doesn't seem to be a, a major concern for Mr. Lester Holt. And then the other thing that I think is funny about this is when he says, providing an open platform for misinformation, all right, again, for anyone to come on and say what they want is especially dangerous. Here's what I find interesting about this. I don't know if you remember who was the anchor before Lester Holt, but it was Brian Williams. And Brian Williams got fired because he was lying because he had spread misinformation as a news anchor. Now, again, you can say they did the right thing. They, they removed him. But the point of this is, and, and the, a little bit of humility that might be important for Lester Holt to, to um, display here is to understand that the press can be every bit as guilty of passing misinformation. One of the reasons why we have this problem and this, this lack of divide between objective journalism and opinion or editorial journalism going on right now is because too many journalists try to push a particular narrative or agenda based off of what they think of a particular issue. Now, I'm not saying that what a journalist thinks of a, a particular event or a particular policy doesn't matter. What I'm saying is, is that if you want to be an objective journalist, your job is more to report facts and evidence, if you have guests on, to moderate a healthy discussion, but then to let your viewers decide. Right? I'm not watching the news so Lester Holt can tell me what to believe because he's already decided what the unsupported and supported arguments are. I'm watching the news to learn about events that have taken place, decisions that have been made, the information that has informed those decisions. I'm there hopefully to see a healthy debate between different perspectives on those decisions and then come to my conclusion. And I don't need Lester Holt sitting there and deciding without any clear criteria who makes the cut and who doesn't make the cut. Because again, that's manipulation of news. That's manipulation of information. He goes on to say, our duty is to be fair to the truth. I completely agree, Lester. One question, though. Explain to me how you arrive at truth. Because I, one of the most pervasive philosophies on the left is the idea of postmodernism and deconstructionism. And we've talked about this before. And postmodernism leads to this idea that there's no such thing really as objective truth. There's just different perspectives on reality. Right? But if you're going to say the truth, if he's going to invoke truth, excellent. I also believe that there is such a thing as objective truth. And what I would like to know is, what processes are you using to arrive at it? Because if you're arriving in the back room before you ever get on camera, I might have some problems with that. 
if, if, you're, if you're specifically denying relevant or important voices, if you're, if you're denying them access to the conversation, because you've already decided what the truth is, and again, you haven't explained to us what the criteria you use in order to arrive at truth is, well then how am I supposed to trust whether or not you're giving me information or propaganda? All right, let's go on to another one here. He says, holding those in power accountable is at the core of our function and responsibility. We need to hear our leaders' views, their policies and reasoning. It's really important, but we have to stand ready to push back and call out falsehoods. And then he goes on to say, fact-checking is not a vendetta, a vendetta or an attack. Okay, let's break that down. So first of all, when he says we need to hear our leaders' views, I kind of have a problem with this. I, I agree with that. If you have a person in a position of, of public trust, if you have an, a, a person in a position of public authority, then yes, I, I want to hear what their views are because they are making decisions which ultimately will affect me. All right? But then he goes, it's important that we stand ready to push back and call out falsehoods. Okay, great. But I want to make sure that when you call out those falsehoods, again, you have some sort of criteria, some sort of objective criteria where we can distinguish between a falsehood or just your opinion of what someone's statement is. And for him to make the statement that fact-checking is not a vendetta or attack, well, no, not inherently, but can fact-checking be used as a vendetta or an attack? Absolutely. Absolutely it can. When you are selectively fact-checking something, because the moment you say I'm fact-checking, you are telling people you can trust me because I'm using an objective process in order to distinguish between what is true and what is not true. But then if the fact-checking is only done selectively or it's specifically targeted towards certain people while you ignore other things or, or you change the nature of what it is that you're fact-checking in order to get to the result that you want, then yes, it can be a vendetta and it can be an attack. And it's a very pernicious one because it is, it is an attack that is using the cover of objectivity. And, and it's, it, it, there are so many fact checkers out there that have betrayed our trust because they were selective, not only in what they checked, but how they checked it, right? And so I want to give you an example of this. I made a statement when I was running for Congress where I said that, you know, Abigail Spanberger considers herself to be a moderate, but she votes with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez almost 90% of the time. And then I also said, in fact, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has voted in line with Donald Trump more than Abigail Spanberger is. And if you're going to do that, I think that's pretty hard to call yourself a moderate. So they came back and fact-checked me, and they fact-checked it as mostly false. But here's the interesting part. They didn't fact-check what I said, the statement I said. The person that was doing the fact-check assumed that I meant something that I never said. He, he said basically that I was making a claim that Abigail Spanberger um, or that, that AOC was more in line with President Trump or that Abigail Spanberger uh, uh, was to the left of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. The problem was that's not what I said. I was, I was making a very clear statement with regards to Abigail Spanberger claiming to be a moderate when her voting record, using a few different examples, when her voting record, I didn't feel reflected that but they changed the nature of what they were fact-checking. Because if, if you just checked what I was saying, which is she votes with AOC 90% of the time, AOC has voted in line with President Trump more than Abigail Spanberger, that was my statement. That is 100% true. And here's what's interesting. 
They actually say that what I said was true in the fact-checked article where they said that my statement was mostly false. Because they know most people aren't reading the whole article. They check through, fact-check Nick Freitas, mostly false, and they move on. Ah, see, he lied about something. But in the very body of the, argue, arg, uh, the article they wrote, they validated what I said. You're telling me that wasn't an attack? You're telling me that wasn't an inappropriate way to fact-check something? They even claim that they reached out to me for comment. If they did, we never got it. And it's not like it was hard to get in touch with me at that time. No, what it was is you had a fact checker that wanted to validate their own you know, presupposition on something. And so they manipulated the way they looked at the data in order to get the result that they wanted. And they did it under an air of objectivity. And that's not just wrong from a reasoning perspective. It's wrong because effectively it's lying. So again, this whole idea that fact-checking is not a vendetta or attack. Well, you know what, Lester? No, it shouldn't be. But too often it is used as such, and it is specifically used as such against conservatives. Let's look on to some of the other statements he made. We must help our audiences understand what our role is in a healthy democracy. Because if we're not asking the right questions, who is? Well, thanks for the help, Lester, but I'm not exactly sure that is your job to help me understand what your role is in a healthy democracy. And in fact, I, I think that's been one of the problems is that we have a lot of journalists now that have stepped away from what their original role was, which is to report facts and evidence, when appropriate, share different perspectives on what happened in order to allow people to have enough information to view an event, to view a policy, and come to a rational decision based off of the facts and evidence presented. Now, it's people like Lester Holt determining what facts and evidence I should have access to on their network. And it's become very, very clear based off of the way they cover things that they have a particular way of viewing the world. And if I don't view it that way, well, then there's something wrong with me. So no, I, I, don't, need you, I, I don't need you to help me understand your role in a healthy democracy. I need you to just do your job and be honest about how you're doing it, to be honest about the processes or the criteria that you're using, and to be honest about what it is that you're trying to do. Are you trying to inform me about something that happened, or are you trying to get me to think about something a certain way? Because I don't need you to do that. All right. So he goes on to say, imagine if you would what the pandemic would look like without the media holding leaders to account for vaccine rollouts or countering harmful misinformation, or why some communities are being left behind. This is a perfect example of why so many people have a problem with what he is saying. Right? He is, he is automatically putting the press into a situation where, well, thank goodness we had the press, and thank goodness that we dispelled misinformation. Thank goodness that the press was here to protect you all, because our leaders weren't doing the things that you wanted. Give me a break. The, the, the press... First of all, at various times, put out misinformation. At other times, they were just regurgitating what organizations like the World Health Organization was saying. And let's not forget, the World Health Organization was repeating talking points from the communist Chinese government, which later on turned out to be false. Or they would report things in such a way as to manipulate the way we looked at it. Right? Depending on who was talking or what, what, I mean, Andrew Cuomo? The press treated Andrew Cuomo as if he was the second coming of Jesus, and it turns out he was lying, he was misrepresenting, 
He was withholding data. So th this idea that, again, thank God for the media or everything with the vaccine would have been worse. I, I would have loved it if the press would have actually reported on some other opinions with respect to how to combat the virus that weren't as popular with the politicians or the scientists they prefer. Because there were virologists, epidemiologists, economists, and everyone else that were coming out early on and saying, look, lockdowns are a bad idea. And the general narrative within a, a, a wide swath of the press was that if, if we weren't locking everybody down, well, then you wanted people to die. And now we find out later that when you, when you actually line up states by those states which locked down and those that didn't, here's what you find. You can barely tell the difference with respect to COVID-related deaths. Those that did extreme lockdowns don't fare better on average than those that had no lockdowns or very, very light lockdowns. But I'll tell you where there is a huge difference within the economies in those places. Unemployment. All of the other things that affect people when government policy goes into place in order to combat something. But unfortunately, too many people in the press were so concerned with pushing a particular narrative that they didn't allow enough voices to come on. They didn't allow enough dissenting viewpoints. And now they want to pat themselves on the back that they did such a bang-up job. I'm not saying it. So let, let's get down. So, you know, again, Lester Holt has offered to help me, to help inform me on what his role is in a, in a democracy. So I'm gonna return the favor. I'm gonna let him know, as a consumer of news, I'm gonna let him know what I think his role is in, in, a, in a free society. First of all, it is not to restrict my access to information on their program based off of what their own political biases are. If you wanna be an editorialist, if you wanna be an opinion writer, fine, do so, just be honest about it. Right? There's nothing wrong with that. But that is, I go to opinion pieces when I want to hear what a particular thinker or journalist thinks of, a, of an issue. And I will be happy to hear their argument. And if they want to explain why one approach is a bad one and another approach is preferable, and this is the perspective that they're taking on it, great. That is, that is perfectly fine. But if you want to sit there and claim to be an objective journalist, well, then here is what I, as a consumer of news, would like to see, and quite frankly, what I expect from somebody that claims the title of being an objective journalist. I want you to lay out a clear criteria on how you review evidence. When you show up to an event, whether it's a fire or a tornado or a mass shooting or a political rally, what I would like you to do is present facts and evidence in context of what took place. I don't, need you to, I don't need you to meld your own opinions into it. Just give me the facts. Give me the data that you have, that you have access to. And then if you would like to moderate a conversation by various people to come in and talk about it with respect to what happened, with respect to what might have caused something, with respect to what sort of policy decisions might be able to prevent or mitigate such things in the future, great. Bring people on that are generally respected in their, in their various communities and allow them, ask, ask each of them hard questions, but don't take a side. That would just impress the living hell out of me. To watch a reporter be able to just simply present, this is what happened. Now we're going to have two people come on to talk a little bit about their perspective on it. Because if you want to arrive at truth, if your job is to be fair to truth, 
Well, then there is actual, there is a system, there is a process to arrive at truth. It's called critical thinking. It's called the laws of logic. It's called the scientific method. These are all tools that we use in order to determine not only what happened, but why it happened, and what are the possible things that we can put into place in order to fix something, improve upon it, etc. And guess what? You have smart people on both sides of a particular issue that might have very, very different ways to approach a problem. But if Lester Holt is now the one to determine which one I can hear and which one I can on their program, fine. I'm going to exercise another right, which I think is very, very healthy in a free society. I'm going to go somewhere else where, where uh, members of the press are not trying to manipulate me under the auspices of telling me what happened. And we've seen way too much of that. And you see all of the different liberal left-wing journalists that have lined up to talk about, gosh, how great it is that Lester Holt called out this idea that we've got to stop the spreading of misinformation. A again, it is one thing to say that when somebody is saying something that is obviously a lie, or if somebody has no experience or credentials or influence on a particular subject, I don't expect you to bring them up and give them equal time with somebody that does have experience or credentials or influence on a subject. But I don't see too many issues in the press where you can't find somebody that is intelligent, that can articulate a different perspective. Because I don't need Lester Holt to tell me what the truth is, especially when it comes to making value judgments on policy positions. I just need him to help provide access to the information. You've got the news crew on site showing me what's going on. Great. You are at the press conference. Wonderful. But then allow different viewpoints to come on and express their, or, or make the argument for their perspective. Because one thing I do agree on is there is such a thing as objective truth. And truth is that which reflects reality. And the way you arrive at truth, the way, the way you generally get down to the bottom of something, and create an informed opinion instead of just spouting off with whatever your political disposition is, is by listening to different viewpoints. And I don't need the press to put themselves in a position to decide that I'm not allowed to hear something or I shouldn't hear something for my own good. Because more often than not, and when, when we look at poll after poll after poll, what we find is the vast majority of reporters within the mainstream media have a left-wing bias. And your duty as an objective journalist, your responsibility is to protect against confirmation bias or bias confirmation. Protect against that. Do your job. Allow differing viewpoints. Because generally speaking, the way that we arrive at truth is when we look at it from different perspectives in order to get to the bottom of what actually happened and why. So. I think we have a great opportunity here when it comes to talking to people about what Lester Holt said and, and not just coming right out and saying, oh, see, this is evidence of, of liberal bias in journalism. Do, do I think what he said represents that? Yeah, I think it does. I think that's going to be the effect of it. But are there things that he said in there that are true? Yes, provided that we put it in the proper context. And we can use Lester Holt's words against him in order to demand more out of our media resources. Because if his real objective is to be fair to the truth, great. There's some very clear-cut processes in order to do that. 
And it's about time we start expecting it from them. All right, I want to thank you very much for joining us on, on Making the Argument. Also, I uh, want to do a quick shout out uh, to the Why Minutes. We've got another video coming out here uh, pretty soon. We're actually going to be talking about the difference between hard work and productivity. And this is, this is an interesting dynamic. I'll give you kind of a sneak peek here. Uh, bottom line is we tell a lot of our kids, and we're about to go into a bunch of graduation ceremonies, commencement addresses. We always like to tell our kids, you know, hey, you got to work hard. You gotta, if you want to make it, you got to work hard. And that is partially true. That is partially true, but it's not completely true. And I would, I would argue that one of the problems that we have right now with a, with a sense of entitlement in society is in part because when we say that it takes hard work to make it, that's only part of the story. And we address the other half of the story in our next Y Minute. So go to theyminutes.com. You can also find it on YouTube and Facebook. Check that out. Once again, thank you for joining us. And hey, look, I, I just... Again, I just want to personally say thank you. Our, our podcast had the best uh, performance it ever has in the month of March. Uh, we were I mean, thousands of, of downloads over what our highest one had, had previously been. And, and that's because you guys tune in, you listen, you share it. Um, if you get a moment and you do appreciate the content we're putting out, go in there, give us a five-star rating, write us a review, share it with a friend. Um, you know, look, if we really care about getting our perspective out there. If we don't want the Lester Holtz of the world determining what access to information we have, then we've got to use the resources that we have available in order to get you know, counter viewpoints out there. And liking and sharing is a great way to do that. So thank you very much, and we look forward to seeing you on our next episode. Once again, thank you very much for listening. If you want to support the show, again, one of the best ways you can do it is by heading over to GoodRanchers.com with promo code Nick. You're going to get $15 off. You sign up for one of those subscriptions, and you're going to get up to $480 of free meat with that subscription. You get to pick top sirloin, salmon, chicken breast, bacon. It is all up to you. Plus, if you're looking for gifts to get for the people that are impossible to shop for, GoodRanchers.com also has gift boxes. You need to act quick. This is part of their overall Black Friday special. So head on over to GoodRanchers.com, use promo code Nick, and once again, thank you for listening.